Hey, this is Sean Marr. I play Simon Tam and voice Nightwing. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And tonight, we are Sans M. She uh, had a conflict. Um, you know, family stuff always comes first. And, that's, and uh, that's happened to me where we had to reschedule stuff. And M is not here with us. But she will be at shore leave this weekend. And uh, so hopefully I'll get this episode out before this weekend. <laughs> but... Um, she will be at shore leave this weekend and be there to greet you all. Yes, yeah, so, so if you're coming to shore leave, let, let us know somehow. Yeah, let us know. Email us, Twitter us, Facebook us. Um, Miles will be there. Em will be there. Good chance I'm not going to be there. But David Moulton might. We're still, we're still waiting to hear back mm-hmm. whether David can go or not. So we'll see. It might be a last minute thing. But I haven't heard either way. But either way, <laughs> two of us will be there representing. We'll be bringing you some great interviews from shortly yeah there's a lot of great people that we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to there yeah it'd be cool to get some authors too that we haven't talked to before if we can and we can always line up authors they're always they're always up for a talk well absolutely so yeah, they're great they want to talk yep yeah but tonight we are talking independence day independence day resurgence yeah yeah so not just independence day but independence resurgence and uh everything that goes with that this of course is a follow-up to our last one where Miles and I found the uh, redeeming qualities in Independence Day. We, wa- we waxed a little bit philosophical, maybe gave it some credit. It wasn't due, but... We found the important questions it was asking. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, we know that was intentional on the, the producer's part. So tonight, Independence Day resurgence. Um, we saw this together. Right. And uh, probably it was out a week and a day or so. It was out It was out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, if I recall, the... the, the uh, the, the auditorium was fairly full. Yeah, we went and saw matinee one o'clock or two o'clock, and it mm-hmm. was a it was a full showing. Now, granted, it was on Independence Day. It was so most of us had off work for that day. Yes, and so that made it a little bit more appealing. It, I don't think it sold out, but it was a full house, and this right. was about a week after it came out. Mm-hmm. So, That's so good. so let's chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we walk into the theater. Um, what were you hoping for in this movie? Before you saw it. So pretend you didn't see it. What were you hoping this movie would do? Well, to, I wanted to know how they were going to bring back Brent Spiner's character. I know that's just one small this thing. This is the big question. Right. Because everyone thought that Brent Spiner's character, what, uh, Okun, had died right. in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they took his pulse and he had no pulse, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore... We He's just dead. assumed, I mean, either his neck was broken or just the alien had killed him or whatever. We thought he was a goner. Well, you know, there is some trivia. Um, there is some trivia to this. Mm-hmm. So, can I, and I might also share the trivia analysis we're talking about because this was the big question. How are you going to bring Brent Spiner's character back? And honestly, he kind of helped make the movie. He was the comedic relief. 
Oh yeah, in a lot was, of ways of this movie. Yeah, he he definitely provides a comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so fans were surprised. This is from IMDb. Said fans were surprised to hear about the return of Doctor Oaken in this movie. Most viewers thought he died in the first film when the alien ensnares him with his tentacle to communicate to President Whitmore with telepathy. The telepathy. However, Major Mitchell offers no reaction when he checks Doctor Oaken's pulse, leaving the character's fate ambiguous. In an interview with Brent Spiner, he revealed that Major Mitchell was supposed to say he's dead, but the filmmakers removed that line to keep the possibility open of using Dr. Oker in his sequel. Spiner also joked that the Major Mitchell was only a soldier and not qualified as a physician to determine if Dr. Oaken was alive or not. I buy that. Yeah, well, they brought him <laughs> back. And they, re- they, they kind of reasserted that because they had Whitmore go in there and get used by the alien, but it's still alive. Right. Um, so they, you know, all, all's fair, right? It didn't bother me how they brought him back. I mean, this is a, but you do have to suspend your disbelief for being in a coma for twenty years. Uh, he's rather spry for a guy who's been in a coma for twenty years. Yes, yes. Uh, they must have been uh, doing some sort of uh, stimulation of the legs. You know, how they can artificially, you know, regenerate muscles without actually walking. They must have, because. Uh, but he, honestly, Independence Day, you're going to suspend a lot of disbelief, whether it's ID four, the first one, or Resurgence, or the but, second one. Yeah, uh, second, there's a lot of suspended disbelief here. That is true. Yes. So, um, so you know, when I went in, one of the things that I was hoping for was, um, the tone of the mm-hmm. first one, and I didn't get that. But I wasn't necessarily disappointed. It was a different film than what I was expecting. But one of the things that made the first film so fun was all the comedic one-liners and so forth. And the chemistry between Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was all over the place. And Mm -hmm. there was some chemistry here. But it was was definitely not ID4 as far as the comedy goes. Definitely not, yeah. Yeah. So, and... um, my wife and I might disagree on this, but the uh, ID4, the first one, a little bit more family-friendly in tone, not quite as dark. This is a little bit darker. And so my son, who tends to get nightmares sometimes, my wife was covering his eyes through part of it, and you know he didn't like that too much. He wanted to see the whole thing. But Yeah, there's a scene where somebody falls through death, which we'll talk about later, which, you know, it's, it's a little kind of graphic. I mean, just watching that happen the first film didn't I mean we knew people died in that film but it was I don't know just less less so less yeah more off screen it was more off screen it was implied you saw ships blow up but you didn't necessarily see somebody fall or a lot more tentacles too and tentacles in this one you know flapping around and you saw that in the first one but it was very little yeah I mean I think with I don't know I don't know how they how what what the difference between practical and CGI effects, but they had a bigger budget. They had the technology to. Re- I mean, we got to see more of the aliens themselves. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we talk about bigger budget. This budget, first one was budgeted about ninety two million, maybe a little bit less, seventy five million. This one budgeted at one hundred sixty five million, so yeah. double the budget. Um, and yeah, so. Just some stats in this movie before we actually launch in to talk a little bit about the movie. So this movie, again, released June 24th, 2016. As of today, when I checked, 
$92 million. So this falls short of the 18-day total that Independence Day had because Independence Day racked in double this. Wow. double A little bit over double this. Mm -hmm. Now, it is doing well worldwide. Mm -hmm. So 300 million. So it definitely made back his production budget. But uh, he threw the worldwide right. distribution is, is the way it did that. So there's still a question whether Hollywood will think, should we make a third movie or not? Well, it made the movie. It made money for right, them. Right. But, well, I mean, I, well, well, but is it enough for them to say, hey, Independence Day 3? Right. Uh, and I don't know if it's already greenlit in the works. It kind of sounds like Independence Day 3 is. Mm hmm but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't know how much money's been shelled out for the development of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, Roland Emmerich has Stargate. He's doing Stargate next, the reboot, mm -hmm. we're right. assuming, is mm -hmm. a reboot. Mm -hmm. And then he's doing in the next Independence Day. Those are the next two movies for him. Mm -hmm. First sequel for Roland Emmerich. Interesting. Ever. Mm -hmm. So a little mm -hmm. bit of useless trivia. But, but so let's talk. Um, so we saw Independence Day... What were what were moments for you that you just really said this is a really well maybe I should ask you did you like the movie I did like the movie and it's maybe earlier say I, I still I think I probably liked the first film better but I still liked this movie I still enjoyed it I still was entertained by it um, I I liked how they showed how. Humanity took advantage of all this alien technology that was left behind and um, made the most of it. I mean, uh, anti-grav technology, um, you know, these ships that can, you know, not need rockets to get to the moon and um, advanced weaponry. Um, yeah. So it was interesting to see what they, what humanity did with all what was left behind technology-wise. It still wasn't enough, Miles. No, no, it definitely it was, definitely was not enough. You know, one of the things that was refreshing to see is he didn't just rehash the plot. Th that is true. Because they could have. You know, ships could have come back and destroying cities again. But no, they were, dr they, they were drilling for the core, right? Right. Whatever the core contained that they wanted, they were drilling. It was a race against time. I mean, that was the time countdown time bomb for them. Mm -hmm. Um. And the, and the ship that came to Earth was just ginormous. It was huge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it took out most of, uh, yeah. you know, Western Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we learn a little bit more about the aliens. Uh, I guess there is a queen mother. They're kind of almost uh, a hive. Type. It is kind of a hive hive type. Um, hive, hive type organization. But then... It's like they aren't just one hive. There are multiple hives. Right. You find out throughout. Um, and we got to get in, we get an indication at least where ID, ID4-3 will, uh, will go. Mm -hmm. And that is we're going to actually get off the planet, which I'm actually interested to see what they do with that. It, it, yeah, I'm interested in that, that, that story to be told. Um, humanity... Um, bouncing back from this disaster but figuring out okay the only way we're going to survive here is we take the fight to them yeah well and they have the catalyst that that first ship that comes through that they blow to bits yeah but they save a part of it is going to be a catalyst for giving them interstellar oh, travel yeah this the second group of, that, that's what something this movie introduced introduced the, the second group of this different group of aliens um 
you know, they used this this uh, weapon on the moon to take it out, but they weren't sure what, I mean, is this, you know, are they friendly? Are they the same aliens? Are they Shoot first, ask later. That's what, that's what the... And, and, and you, at one hand, you want to fault them for not being a little bit more gregarious, but at the other hand, they were nearly obliterated. They aren't, they aren't going to be taking chances. There's a little healthy paranoia going yeah. on. So this was supposed to be an arc that was supposed to rescue part of humanity. Instead, mm-hmm. this becomes a catalyst for them actually developing new technology because they saved that one piece. Yeah, they have this AI. And the AI, there were, I guess the aliens, I assume, are gone. I think they were destroyed by this race, but this AI's sole goal was to kind of fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, so it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what they come up with in the next. If, if presuming they do come with the next film, what 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 the what they'll do? I mean, they'll have to obviously develop a spaceship or spaceships, a fleet maybe, to uh, leave Earth and and take take the fight to the to these aliens. Well, no doubt you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have to have Brad Spiner back and Jeff Goldblum. Oh, definitely. Uh, Whitmore is out of the picture. Yep, uh, he, pay, he, he paid he paid the price. Paid. So is Vivian Fox. Vivica Fox. Right. And I'm going to be honest. So w- let's talk cameos for a moment. Yeah. Most disappointing cameo was hers. Yeah, I feel like they wasted her. So stripper turned nurse. God bless her. You know, right. she, 20 she, years, she reinvented herself, made herself a better person, and then dies. Yeah, she, I mean, we see, I mean, at least she, she dies saving someone. But she's died. saving lives, but I'm thinking. I don't know if it was maybe just so soon in the film. I don't know if they were just trying to shock you and thinking anybody can die, but it just felt it just felt wasted to me. Yeah, well, and she was somewhat central in the last one. And well, well in the last film, I, I liked how they they take this exotic dancer, the stripper, who you know we we have these preconceived notions about. I mean, she's act, but she's actually a person of strong character she saves her son she saves at least people's lives she the brings president's the, wife she brings the fir, you know the first lady back you know so she you know at least to you know say goodbye to her husband you know she had a I, th- I thought she had a really good character in the first film yeah definitely and it was good to, like you said she became a nurse a doctor or something like that she's and her, her son is is in the air force um, but then it, it not long into the film the building she's on falls apart. That's the person who, you know, he talked about who's, she falls to her death. That just seems. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, you know, I, I, maybe I understand what they're trying to do, but it didn't work for me. Yeah. We know. So that was the most troubling one, but you know, of the seven actors that reprised a role, a bunch of them did die. So we have, of course, um, we have Bill Pullman mm-hmm. dies. Um, we have Vivica Fox. John's story, Dr. Isaacs, like the doctor dies. Right. Um, and then um, General Gay, of course, physically died. Like he's not going to be in any, he's, he passed on. Before yeah, the actor, who, the actor who played him. Yeah, passed, passed on. So, yeah. Oh, so only three remain, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? Jeff so, Goldblum, Judd Hirsch, and um, Brent Spiner, the only ones alive in the film. I think you're right, yeah. And they, so they have to be back for ID3. I would ID4-3, whatever mm-hmm. you're going to call it. <laughs> I can't say that. Real fast. ID four. ID four three. Yeah. yeah. Four point three. I don't know. But, um, but well, let's, since we're on cameos, what did you think of Jeff Goldblum's character? It was interesting to see what I mean. He's obviously taking a a huge active role in the world defense. I mean, he's he's everywhere. 
um, helping develop new weapon systems. But then they, so, I mean, yeah, his character was enjoyable to watch. It would have been nice to have seen um, him have a Will Smith to kind of act off. The, so I missed that chemistry that was wasn't there. But you know, it was good. Uh, I, I liked. What, nothing. I mean, he he meets up with this African warlord who had this psychic experience, telepathic experience with one of the aliens. So we were talking before we started recording that this film was less American centric than the first film was. I mean, we have a little more, a little more of an international flavor to it. I mean, this African uh, warlord plays you know, a central role. Yeah, and uh, um, Jeff Goldblum's character meets up with this British scientist. Uh, kind of, kind of a love interest for him. Yeah, we don't get any explanation as to what happened to his first love interest. Yeah, his his uh, uh, his ex wife is nowhere to be seen or explained. Right, so that that's a something that's just left hanging. So yep. yeah, um, the Americans still save the day. The, yes, well, they do, but there's a Chinese uh, pilot. So I mean that she's uh, true. So we have you know they do they, they do try to make it a little bit more international. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that was good. Um, I, I, it was interesting that the, the the plane, these fighter planes they came up with, the ships, the moon base. I thought that was all cool. That was that was cool. I was glad to see them up on the moon. Right, it made yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. We start, we start. You know, both movies start in the moon. That's right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. But like you said, uh, regardless of all the advances humanity had made with all this alien technology, it was not enough. Yeah. The aliens still had uh, superior numbers, superior firepower. So, of the new blood, so we have a whole new cast of characters because in in one way, this is kind of a reboot. Not a reboot. I mean, it's been 20 years since. So, Mm -hmm. a lot of new actors in this one. Uh, Any any of these notable or stick out to you? Um, Well, we we have uh, Liam Hemsworth. I guess he plays this hot shot um i kept saying chris sorry <laughs> chris, chris's little brother yeah. um thor's little brother um he he uh you know him and um um the character uh vivica vox's son they had this rivalry going on um but uh yeah this hot shot pilot who um i guess he he screwed up so he's driving the shuttle for early in the film um the uh see the ward plays the new president but um we, we, we get an interesting situation there basically they, they take out the whole cabinet president and the cabinet so the one the one guy who's the general he you know we see the military the yeah, highest william right? fitchner plays in general adams yeah he william fitchner he he's a notable character you know we've seen him in lots of stuff I always remember the first movie I think I really saw him was Contact. Mm-hmm. And I always, whenever I see him, I'm like, Contact, Contact. But it's not. He's done a lot of other stuff. Uh, Contact, Armageddon. Um, he was on the TV show Prison Break. Um, you see his face. You say, yeah, I know. I've seen that guy. Yeah. So we see the highest you know, ranking military officer alive basically take become president. Yeah. You know, of the new characters, his is probably the most memorable to me. Mm-hmm. The the new the young cast did very little for me. I mean, they have some funny moments. So the guy is always trying to get a date with the Chinese girl, right? Uh, <laughs> but you know, but nothing that 
Like when I watched it, I was interested in seeing the cameos. Those were that's uh, seriously, and I and I don't mean that badly. It's that the other actors just didn't do much. Right, and when I mean Independence Day, the first film, it's I mean it, it's kind of an iconic movie. It was it was it was so huge when it first came out. It was it's a very popular movie. So we want to see our you know older heroes in action and see what they're doing and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, we see Judd Hirsch's uh, character. Uh, it's good to see him back. It was great to see him back. Um, I love his, his this book he put out, "How I Saved the World." <laughs> <laughs> yes, making cashing in on that, mm-hmm. and I love when they have him speaking to the old person's home. All right, <laughs> yeah. I could have sworn that the guy in the wheelchair in the very front was the one guy that was kicked out of the military by Whitmore. Oh, the former uh, Secretary of Defense? Yeah. Okay. But he's not mentioned here. So mm-hmm. So I could be uh, could be totally wrong on that. Um but um so uh yeah, I, I just was not impressed with the new cast, I think in general. They they were forgettable for me. I was looking for all the old casts all the way through it. You know, they got some flack for recasting uh, Mika Monroe uh, in Patricia Whitmore's character. I think that's it. Patricia was the daughter. Right. So the other daughter is an actor still. Mm-hmm. And they chose not to use her because he wasn't pretty enough. Oh, that's... Yeah, I, I would give him flack for that too. Yeah, there was a huge backlash. Ironically, she has not said a thing about it. Mm-hmm. But everyone else has been in uproar for her. So. Yeah, that... I mean... Yeah, that would have that would have been nice if they would have used the the original actress. Uh, I w- I would assume the the you know the actor who played um, uh, Vivica Fox's son is probably not the same. Yeah, guy that well, that's plus. true. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Grand, he was a little boy at the time. I, who knows if he's even still acting now? Right, and I mean that maybe maybe that was a difference. Yeah, it was played by Ross Bagley in Independence Day. Okay. And it was played by Jesse T. Usher in uh, yeah. for this film. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize he was... Uh, Ross Bagley was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he is... Well, I don't know. But... It doesn't... It doesn't he, he actually didn't do many films. Okay. So I don't think so. I mean, I mean I'm grateful... It's. I don't know That's why. That's not true. He, he's he's done. He's 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 been in some. Okay. But very few. I wonder why they couldn't get uh, Will Smith for this. Um, quite simply, they were unwilling to pay the fifty million dollar price tag. That's what he was asking for. That's what he was asking for. Fifty million. Now it's for for two sequels, so twenty five million for right. each sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about their budget, that's a huge percentage. That that that's a yeah. They said, you know what? We don't need you that. We don't need you that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that I mean, ultimately, that was that was it. That was the his uh, price tag was the just price too high. tag was just too high. So no Will Smith. Mm-hmm. But oh well, yeah. What I, you gonna have? You got. I mean, I mean, yeah. I understand. I mean, it would have been great to, for for him to have been in this film, but um, I, I uh, so yeah. so we got our humor instead through Brent Spiner's character, right? Uh, but 
Which I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, too. notable moments. Him running around without any underpants on. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he goes, and he, and, and he says, well, should we get you some pants first? And he's like, you mean I don't want to have any pants? My, my ass has been hanging out the whole time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. And what was that Star Trek reference they had? We got to get him a sick bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did, he had a much more prominent role. Mm-hmm. I think because of Will Smith's absence. So him and um, Jeff Goldblum kind of play off each other to some degree. Um, I love his big laser that yeah. he has. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he is just... He's funny. And oh, he has these yeah. funny one-liners. Brent, Brent Spiner's great in what he does, but give him, give him some comedy. He can, you know, he can pull it off. Yeah. Um, Jeff Goldblum's character... Did a phenomenal job. Enjoyed his acting in that. What? Let's talk about favorite scenes you had in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, a great battle scene is when they're taking out the queen. Yes. I mean, uh, that was just. That and was when she has the ball, she like grabs the AI unit that's yeah. in the ball. And then when she dies, it kind of rolls out of her hand. That was very well done. Yeah. Actually reminded me of Men in Black when they're playing with the marbles at the very end of the movie. Oh, yeah. All these, <laughs> these worlds or yeah. galaxies these marbles. Yeah. Yeah. So I reminded me of that a little bit. But I really liked that scene. I agree. That was very well done. Mm-hmm. That was very well done. And the anticipate, the anticipate, if I can speak here, the anticipation of them breaking in to steal it. And then you find the Queen Mother just reaches down and grabs it. Yeah, there at the end, very well done. So the queen mother is a giant. We fit, we learned she, you know, she's huge. While all her children are uh, of much smaller size. Yes, <laughs> she is quite huge. Yeah, and controls all the ships. So, so, um, so I that that was a great part. I like when we first see the ship that the African warlords kind of commandeered, because this is the only one that apparently is not crash landed because they were drilling a hole. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, we of course don't see this in the first movie, but apparently this ship had landed and was drilling a hole in the first movie to get down to the core is what they were kind of indicating, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I, it looks like, they all, you know, it was interesting. It looks like they, they had captured some of these aliens, so they had POWs, basically. Yes. Yeah, they did. And then there was a prison break and... Uh, Dr. Oak and any other guy were trying to uh, help put it down. Right. When they were like, they're not, they're not screaming, they're celebrating. (laughs) You know, that that line that you have in the movie there. Um, Yeah. So that was cool. Them getting captured in a sense by the mothership, the the young crew and they had to kind of navigate underwater. And that was kind of cool. That was interesting. Yeah. Seeing them uh, deal with that. Yeah, and kind of they have to commandeer the ships to kind of escape. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I did love, I did like Moonbase. Moonbase was really cool, the opening scene. Yeah, that was, that, that was, yeah, that was a cool Moonbase they had. Yeah. You know, I have to go back to another character. So can we do that? Sure, absolutely. Bill Pullman. Mm-hmm. Incredible job. He looked destitute and haggard. At the very end, he's clean-shaven, looks like Bill Pullman again, like you remember him, mm-hmm. and he's walking without the cane. Yeah, it was he, he played a person who was damaged 
and harmed from his experience with the aliens. He, and he pulled it off really well. Yeah. He knew, In the end, he becomes resolute, and it's really cool to see that. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm the only one who can do this. Right. And tricks his daughter into letting him do it. Right. His, uh, his, his daughter's pretty pissed, by the way. Yeah. His uh, bodyguard uh, manages to... Well, he, he's in on it, and he manages to fool her long enough so he can hop on a ship and whatever a fusion bomb is, it's how, you know, yeah. take a fusion bomb to this ship. Right. You know, the other thing that we uh, do need to talk about, visual effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. We are actually in 2016, and you can tell the visual effects of Independence Day, some of the visual effects were a bit dated. Right. Like when they're blowing up the cities and the fire, if you look closely, you can see that stuff's not real. And here they make stuff look very real. I think this added to the darkness of this movie and to the intensity of this movie. Yeah, it, the, the, the destruction definitely looked more, more real. I mean, and the aliens, I mean, they look cool in 1996, but what they were able to do now, I mean... Um, they looked even more uh, scary and um, uh, alien. I mean, you could kind of tell in a way they were they were like puppets in the in the first film, and um, these aliens definitely had you know they they were more fluid the way they moved and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was definitely it was definitely you tell that CGI had been has come a long way since then. Right. And um and they do it well. I thought that the the audio effects were just as powerful though. And the music it was neat to see the hints of the old music playing into this one. Mm-hmm. And so I like that. We got to see well the queen mother basically put on that bio armor. I get because you know the the aliens themselves, well, at least the the, the ones the of the hive are, are smaller, a little more, are more fragile. But when they put on this, this bio armor that gives them the tentacles and everything, they're, you know, they're pretty badass. Um, yeah. Uh, so we got to see the queen mother put on this. Uh, she was already badass to begin with, but she was even more badass after that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, um, very cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what other scenes, um, there's a tension of the school bus heading in. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, where uh, um, Levin, David Levinson's father is driving the school bus and saving all these kids or bringing them to find his David. Right. Um, so it was neat to see their reunion. Not quite as developed in this movie, again. Um, Julie, they spend, they Julie, spend less time together. Less time together. Mm-hmm. And Julia Levinson seems to play less of a integral role. We get a little bit of comedy... Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives, he keeps you in touch with what's happening in the outside world beyond the main characters. Um, I felt like the last movie, the first movie, focused very much on what was going on around the world and the people of the world. Here, we're focused much more on the central cast. And because the central cast is military and surrounded by government, that's where our focus is. Yeah. Although I think... I think uh... The Judd Hirsch's character, Julius Levison, he brings a little more humanity when. Yes. Okay, these children are, have been orphaned, and so I remember in the in the first film, he's the one that gathers kids together to 
pray while all this is going on and just he's just kind of looking out for the kids well he does the same thing here he's he sort of rescues these 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 group of kids and uh becomes like a surrogate father uh to them for the earnest movie so he kind of brings a humanity back i guess right yeah so the original title of the sequel independence day forever part one supposed to be released when the first movie came out Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a script penned back then, mm-hmm. but the guy that wrote it didn't like it and handed the studio back the money. Really? Yeah, so he had apparently had written it, he had paid to write it, and didn't like it and handed it back. So Wow. But um trying to think what else we have to say here about it. Um again, Independence Day, I think for me, still is of the movies is probably my favorite. Of the first, but yeah. I, but I enjoyed this. This is a, should you go see this in the theater? I might recommend for you to wait till it comes out to DVD, but I think you should see it. Yeah, I think it's still an enjoyable or film. matinee. Yeah, I don't I don't think if if you don't see it in theaters and you wait till you rent it, I don't think you'll miss anything. I think you'll still it's still an enjoyable movie, but there are things that were in the first film that made it special and made it wonderful that maybe are not in this one. Um, what else do we have to say about it? Um, I don't know. I think you, I, th- I think you and I have, uh, yeah, I don't, I think you and I have taken it apart pretty good. Yeah. I mean, um, definitely not as strong of a movie as the first one. And I think there's a little bit less to say about it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I think the first, what made the first film special is you had this wonderful chemistry with, you know Judd Hirsch and Jeff Goldblum, and the the two of them didn't have as much screen time together in this in this film. And then you had Judd, you know the, the 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 wonderful chemistry between Goldblum and Will Smith, and uh, um, there was that was you know you didn't have that in this film. Yeah. By the way, little some little known facts: the uh, when they're video chatting, they're using something called QQ. Which apparently is the fourth is the fourth largest video chatting service. I've never heard of QQ. Me neither. It's most used mostly in China. Okay. So, um, I don't know. Um, I think we're done talking about it. We don't need to push it any further. But I do have some other stuff that we should talk about. Um, we did get an email in, and uh, let's let's read it and respond to this. Okay. And actually, before we read the email. Some of you chimed in about this movie, and, and if, if you feel like we're a little bit ambivalent about it, we aren't the only ones. Floyd Salazar, on, on um, this down at the bottom, Miles, uh, said on Facebook, right now I'm steering clear. Haven't enjoyed much has come out the last few years. Maybe my tastes are shifting. Regardless, glad it was entertaining for you. Looking forward to the next episode. Happy 4th and be safe. Okay. And Jen said? Jen says, yeah, I saw it also. It was okay. Not as good as the first one. I just wish they had a better better defenses. Laughing out loud. And when are they putting out the next episode? Miss you guys. Happy fourth. Feel like we we have a war erupting in my backyard. It's crazy. All the fireworks going off. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dave Gray from Australia from um, Two Schooners podcast and the Lifestyle Network said just saw the latest one yesterday. Mixed feeling. Felt a bit scripted and done before. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like it's been done before? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, 
you know, he would have to sh- cite an example. I'm not sure what he's Yeah, I'm not sure what he's referring to. Like, okay, they've been attacked by aliens before. I think the third one, if they take the battle to them to their world, that might feel a little bit more fresh. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he's talking about. That could be, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I think the fan reaction to this film is similar to ours, and maybe even maybe even less charitable. Yeah. So, uh, you, if you were to rate this movie out of five stars, where would you put it? I'd give it a three. Yeah, I was going to say solid three for me. Mm-hmm. M did not like it. I don't think she. If she were here, she would say, "I ah, didn't like this movie." Yeah. So she wasn't with it either. So, um, but we did get an email in from uh, a listener, and uh, let me just read this, and then uh, we'll wrap up the show here. Hi, Scott. I hope you like getting suggestions because I'm sending you the names of people I'd like to hear interviewed on your podcast, which is fun, by the way. It's a very personal list. I've been a Star Trek fan since the beginning. So some of these folks go way back. I know that a few don't travel too far from home anymore, but perhaps you can Skype or have some other tech way to interview guests who can't be physically present in your studio. I've got emails from most of them, though I'm sure you do too. Here they are. Jacqueline Lichtenberg, co-author of Star Trek Lives and the founder of Star Trek Welcome... Well committee, a major player from the early days. Do you know this lady? Um, I would have to look up her name. Yep. Terry Lee Rioks, author from Sawdust to Stardust, a biography of DeForest Kelly. I think I've actually seen her at Farpoint uh, several years ago. Yeah. we. She'd probably be accessible to get her on. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine her not. Jerry Taylor? I'm not. She She was a, one of the writers on Next Gen and Voyager. I'm not even sure if she's... Uh, She's still with us, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, Richard Arnold? Richard Arnold, uh, I believe he was an assistant uh, on Next Gen. Um, <laughs> Look at you pulling out all the trivia here. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, when I hear his name, I, 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 um, I, think, I think he was, yeah. I, 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 the name definitely sounds familiar with, with uh, the, the, the writing staff of next gen this next guy has been on the diner how many times I, I, I don't <laughs> at least know. three or four times we've right. had him on so larry nebenchek we have had on gonna be at shortly of this year right that's what they say so you I know what I, you're gonna have to interview him again i'm gonna I, have just to. just for diane haddock yeah. here right who wrote this email by the way we're kind of stopping midway but diane wrote in and let us so just for diane's sake you got to interview her uh, I'll try to get conversation with Larry. Better yet, make sure that Larry Nemchek says hi to Diane. That, that yeah. would make her day. Uh, we'll try to do that, yeah. Try to do that. So, yeah. um, Nicholas Meyer. Who in the heck? Oh, Nicholas Meyer. His, yeah, I would love to have a conversation with him. Uh, he directed... Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I th- he directed the... and He helped wrote... The Rathacon. I'm not sure if he directed, but he 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 he. I think he wrote the script for Rathacon, mm-hmm. and also for uh, Undiscovered Country. So, okay. he, he, yeah, he's definitely a heavy hitter, and I think he's going to be involved in the new Star Trek show for next oh, year. Oh, good, yeah. good. That'll be good to see. How about Denise and Michael Okuda? I would love to have a talk to them too. Uh, I follow them on Facebook. I don't know how accessible they are. Yeah, I, I, they they've uh, been interviewed by the folks from um, um, Mission Log. If you if you want. want check that out okay. uh, but uh i mean they're the ones that came up with a lot of the um how the control panels look um on on, on the ships and everything um, oh so that was them yeah so and and also the uh text commentary on the next gen movies they uh, provided that too oh good yeah. good how about dc fontana uh she she's a legend in science fiction and star trek um <laughs> uh she uh 
I, I believe she might have penned a script or two of the original series, and she was at, you know around for uh, the first season of uh, Next Gen. And then Ron Moore, I would love to interview Ron Moore, but I don't know how he doesn't seem that accessible. I don't think of these people. I would love to talk to him too. And Rick Berman. Um, I don't know if I mean he he basically took over for Gene Roddenberry um, as, as the. Uh, um, the, the czar of Star Trek for, for, for Next Generation, D Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Um, there's a good documentary on Netflix for the, you can see a lot of these people on, uh, yeah. Diane, called uh, Chaos on the Bridge. So if you yeah. want to uh, you know hear the, some of these people's thoughts, that's a, I, I'll direct you that. And she ends with Brandon Braga and Dan Madsen. I, I don't know. the Dan, Dan Madsen I'm not familiar with, but Brandon Braga, yeah, I am familiar with. Um, uh, writer on Next Gen, um, and um, I, I think you know one of the lead writers for uh, Enterprise yeah. also. Yeah. Well, she says I hope some I, th- I hope some might be of interest to you. They're folks I'd like to have a cup of coffee with, coffee with and chat. Many thanks for your commitment to all things sci-fi, Diane Haddock. So Diane, thank you, thank you for writing in. Thank you for Diane. If if, if you could get the shore leave, it you could probably hang, you know say hi to Larry Nemechek in person. But in if person. you can't. We'll, we'll try to do it for him. Yeah. So, yeah. and maybe we'll have it. Maybe we can sit down and have a little conversation with Larry and find out what's going on in his world. We should check in. Yeah. See what, see how he's doing. Uh, maybe find out how the Con of Wrath is doing, whatever else. Yeah. I don't know if he's still working on that or if he's moved on. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows? Right. So, we'll have to, but we'll definitely check in with Larry. Yeah. We'll do. Well, thank you for writing and thank you for listening. A little bit shorter of an episode tonight, but that's not bad. We had an. We had a movie that we were following up with that, well... We weren't uh, overwhelmed we, with. We were not overwhelmed, not totally underwhelmed. We were just whelmed. Yeah. Just yeah. whelmed. Right. Just <laughs> whelmed with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you for listening, and uh, I believe that's about it. Check us out at Shore Leave. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya.